Hey everyone, you're listening to the Connect Church Podcast. We hope this sermon inspires you as well as builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Jump into these questions. We are calling You Asked. Listen, You Asked. So we're going to answer these questions. So that's what we're going to call today. So the first question is, how do you deal with tension between step-family relationships? Great it's a good question, isn't it? Really good. It is a good question. Uh, now here, the thing about step families is it is two groups coming together. The thing about families is that you are merging people together. You're merging groups. You're merging lives. It's always messy. It's always hard. There's always friction. There's always tension. And so how do you navigate and do this well? So um, two years ago, I worked for a sound install company, and we would go and install, like, um, I don't see any here, but we would install, oh, like, up there, we would put the speakers up there, and we'd go to restaurants and install their stereos. We'd go to stadiums and install their PA systems. We did all that kind of stuff. And you would have to do a lot of work, uh, like construction-type work, and we would drill through a lot of metal pipes. And you use like metal drill bits to drill through metal pipes. And what happens is that there's this friction that takes place when two things are butting and rubbing against each other, right? And that's like our families. That's like our lives. And so what we had to do to keep the drill bit from burning up and melting or breaking was we had to keep pouring this um, lubrication on the drill bit so that as it drilled and as the friction from the spinning was taking place, it wouldn't burn up. And that's the same with families. There needs to be some kind of lubrication between everybody in the family so that they're not always bumping up against each other and they're not always rubbing against each other and getting angry and mad and like, I don't like what you said and I don't like how you did this. And, and that lubrication that you need is this. It's love. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 14, it says this. Uh, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself. Now listen, he says you must, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You have to make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anybody who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Now, that's a really important sentence in your life to remember because that's not the only time the Bible tells us that you've got to forgive other people. In fact, when Jesus was talking in the Lord's Prayer and he says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us which teaches us that our forgiveness is hinged upon our forgiving other people, which is really important. You can't ask God to forgive you for something if you're not willing to forgive other people for it. In fact, he goes on after the Lord's Prayer, and he says that 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 very thing. So he says, remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all these things, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. So when you have those two families that are coming together, usually it's... uh, Step families, blended families are a result of either something like divorce or a spouse has died and there's somebody that's left and they join families together. So you have these two families you're trying to merge where there's been some kind of traumatic event that has taken place. And that causes, um, it can cause hurt, it can cause distrust, it can cause fear to take place in that person's life or those people's lives. And so you have to realize when you're dealing and working with people that there's always something going on behind the scenes. 
Generally, what people say to you isn't how they really feel. Like, if you get into a fight with somebody and they start screaming things at you, usually they're just, like, screaming things because they're hot and emotional. They're just screaming things. But if you take a step back calmly and rationally and look, you can find an underlying current of what's really bothering them. And what he's talking about here is if you walk in love, if you choose to put on love and you choose to walk in forgiveness and you choose to be like, hey, I know this has got to be really hard for you. I know you used to have a dad or a mom, or I know this happened, or I know that happened, and now we're one family, and we're all trying to figure out how to live together and how to deal with these things together and what this looks like. And I know, I know I'm not your real parent, or I know you're not my real brother or my real sister. But when you begin to walk in love, and you choose to put on that love, and you choose to forgive people for their hurts and the things that they have maybe said or done to you, then you can walk through that relationship. Now, it's not always going to be easy, right? Yeah, I'm going to share something in a minute. Yeah. It's not always easy. In fact, lots of times it's really hard, like really hard. But if you walk with that grace, if you walk with that love, if you realize there's more going on in those people's lives than, than what you're seeing, it's kind of like an iceberg, mm-hmm. Right? You only see the tip of the iceberg above the water, don't you? There's a whole lot more below the water, below the surface that's really going on. So how do you deal with that tension? You deal with that tension by purposely choosing to walk and put on love. And say, I'm going to choose to love you. You may be saying horrible, ugly things right now. You may be hurting my feelings. You may be uh, saying bad things about me. You may be saying bad things to me. You may be doing bad things, but I am going to choose to forgive you. I'm going to choose to walk in love, and I'm going to choose to be the person that you need me to be. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you... I just want to say, too, just coming from a blended family, I don't know if you guys knew that, but I come from a blended family, so I'm, I'm in a bit of a yours, mine, and our situation. Um, the thing that was tough for me, too, was that I'm the only one between my mom and my dad. So sometimes I would get the brunt of the jealousy or I'd get the brunt of the you were favored or unfair. And I'm just going to say blended family, step family, it's hard. Like from experience, I'm just going to be honest and say for me, experience, from experience, it's hard. And, and yes, it's complicated. And I can actually sit up here and say I kind of get it. Um, but I do know that we serve a God who makes crooked paths straight. I do know that we serve a God who makes rough places smooth and who does make rivers in the desert, and he can take this and what's chaotic and what's complicated and what's messy and make it like this and even make it so unified and so one, like that was the original plan because that's our God, amen? He is the great redeemer. Um, But I will say something that I saw that my parents did on, on this side of the thing, on the family, was that my mom is a woman who prays. My mom would be up every morning. She's still up, as far as I know, um, praying every single morning. In fact, I interrupted her the other day, I think, without telling her I was coming to the house. And she was, she was praying. Um, but the power of prayer as a parent changes everything. The power when, when the father sits at the table and he says, as for me and my house, we will say, serve the Lord, it's powerful. And we need to understand as parents, and, and all that messy that what can seem messy and complicated is when if if we can get a a co-union at the top with mom and dad or even just mom serving the lord or dad serving the lord you know if if there's separation in the family but if you can get unified with the lord and if you're married together there's power in that that i believe permeates through the entire family and and when i really saw not just my mom pray but my dad take his place 
and then come together. It was just like divine order came into that home and everything that the enemy would try to like, try to separate and try to divide. It was kind of like, a, it was so spiritual. It was like a you shall not pass. And, and every time I've seen my mom and dad stand together on that, there was just, there was agreement, there was order, there was power, there was, there was, there was peace. And Cam could even testify to this with seeing some of it at our home. And, and it was good. So I just, I want everyone here to be encouraged that it, it's possible to have unity. It's possible to have peace. You will have to contend for it because we are in a spiritual battle where the enemy does not like unity. The enemy is after marriages. He's after families. He's after the next generation um, because he wants what he cannot have. And that's the kingdom of God. Um, so I just want to encourage you as parents, like whoever, whoever put this question in, whether you're here or if you're not here today, take your place. Be a praying parent. And, and whenever you can, get the family together as much as possible. And, and don't try to force relationships. That will never work. You know, it's just like forcing friendship. You can't force people to be friends with us. But you can pray and believe God that something organic and something beautiful will happen. And I believe through the power of prayer, through the power of standing together, that it shall be done. And, and you know when it says it shall be done in the Bible where two or three stand on earth? We are just talking about this. It literally means if it doesn't exist, God will create it. So I believe that as we stand together, as we pray together, there shall and there can be miracles. That's good. I want to tell you one last thing, too, that I was just thinking about when we were sitting here. Like a decade ago, God spoke to me about something, and he told me this. Um, he, he said that in, and this has been key to my life in a lot of things, but he said, in the, in the absence of communication, your imaginations flourish, which means when there's not a lot of take, talking taking place, your mind begins to make up things that are taking place. Mm-hmm. And so when you're blending families together, when there's a step family that's two families coming together, there's got to be lots of communication. Right. So there's got to be a lot of prayer. There's got to be a lot of love. And there has to be a lot of communication right. as well so you can talk. And so these people that are being joined to you don't just assume, well, this is the way it was in my last mm-hmm. family or with my last spouse or with my last mm-hmm. brother and sister. But you talk those things through so those imaginations can't overtake you and run away with and you. Ask for help. There is no shame in asking for help and saying, I don't know how to do this. Can you help me? Reach out. There's yeah. just this lie that we buy into. Sometimes I think that we have to have it all together. And come on, guys, we just don't. So let's just be honest and just reach out and ask for help. No, I, I don't have it together. Jen does, but I don't. Okay, that was a good question. Okay, ready for our next question? All right, let's see. Our next question is. Should I be my kid's friend first, or should I be more of a traditional parent or somewhere in between? Hmm. Good question. So Good I got, question. Glad you asked. I got this question. Um, we had kids quite young, and I remember one of the first things that my mom said to me, because I had Sydney, and Sydney was my wonderful surprise. And I would say that Sydney was the best thing that ever happened to me, because we're so similar, and I would see all the... <laughs> inefficiencies, let's say that, in myself and even in my relationship with God, that Sydney really has made, made me so much like Jesus Christ, and, I, and I'm just so grateful for that. Um, but the, one of the first things my mom said, like, probably the day I had her was, you're the parent, you're not her friend. And you know, you know what, it really was words from the Lord, though. It was wisdom, because just even growing up, people were always surprised that I was Sydney's mom. Are you her older sister? You know, are you sisters? We, you know, sometimes not so much anymore but <laughs> we we still get that but you are the parent you are the mom if you're the mom in this room you are the father 
if you're the father in this room and you know we're in this we're in this culture now where it's like we just want everything linear we want everything linear because we're trying to get away from authority we're trying to get away from all of that and just make a level playing field which is great in the element of community. It's great in saying, hey, I see you, I hear you, you matter. But there is divine order that God set up, okay? So we have God who is head over our homes, amen? But then we have father, we have mother, and in some cases just maybe mother or father. But you are the head of that home, and your child needs you to be their parent first and foremost. They actually don't need you to be their friend, and, and if they were truly to be honest, they don't want you to be their friend. You know, <laughs> Write that down, because it's true. No. <laughs> they have enough friends. Because this, this is, no, this is what happens, is it's because in, in, when parents are parenting their kids, you feel an element of safety as a child in that relationship. When your parent is not oversharing with you or saying, you know, TMI, like, thanks mom and dad, that was just too much information. They actually want to be able to come to you and know that you have the answer. They want to be able to come yeah. to you and know that you have a solution. You know? Oh, can I jump in here? Yeah. I want to say something. This is really good, talking about what Jen's talking about. Um, in Proverbs, there's a scripture that says, uh, spare the rod and spoil the child, right? We all, we've all heard that scripture. We've all applied that to one context, but let me just take a second and, and break it down for you, really. That word rod in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, is the word, I think it's uh, shemet, I think, S, is that right? Yeah, and, and what it's referring to is like a shepherd's rod, and so a shepherd had his rod, and it did two things. The one thing it did was to, to, to beat off animals and, and things that would try and attack the sheep. The other thing that it was there for was to gently guide the sheep where it was supposed to go so he wouldn't wander off. So if the sheep is slowly starting to wander over this way, you would grab that staff and gently grab it and pull it over here and lead the sheep back the direction he's supposed to go. Mm -hmm. So what, what that scripture really, really is talking about is you leading and guiding your children. If you spare the rod, if you're not using that rod to guide and direct and lead right. your kids, mm -hmm. you're going to spoil them. Right. So you're there not to be their best friend. You're there to lead them and disciple them and help them live lives. And so they grow up and be godly young men and women of God. Okay, so Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Uh, the Passion Translation says, Father, don't exasperate your children, but raise them up with loving discipline and counsel them, or in a, in a counsel that brings the revelation of the Lord. Isn't that powerful? But I like where it says, but it brings them up, because we are calling our kids higher, because God is calling us as the children of God, as parents, higher so we want to make sure that we're growing as parents in our relationship with god in the wisdom and the knowledge of god whether it's through communion books or bible but but learning to be a better parent god's calling us up and as god's calling us up we're able to call our children up and you know what when, when we're strong in the lord we're not needing to rely on our children for strength and i would encourage you that if you again there's no condemnation sometimes we just don't actually know these things you know um but lean on your friends, lean on other people, but let your children lean on you, you know? And um, they'll, they'll feel safe, they'll feel a place of refuge and, and protection and, and in shelter, and, and shelter in that. It's good. Okay. Any thoughts, any questions about that? It's good. Okay, let's look at the next question. Uh, it says, we mentioned boundaries last Sunday we were talking about that. 
What are they and how do we have boundaries? That's a good question. What are boundaries? Well, a boundary is this. A boundary is something that indicates a fixed limit. So here's what happened with boundaries. If you don't have a boundary in your life, people will come and take all kinds of advantage of you. That's true. They will come and ask you to do all kinds of things that you don't want to do, you don't like to do, you don't know how to do, but because you don't have boundaries in your life, you don't have a fixed limit, you just say, okay. How many times have you found yourself with something like, hey, can you come and uh, cut my hair? Well, I don't know. I don't know how to cut hair. I'm not a hairstylist. I don't know how to do this. Or maybe you are a hairstylist. Maybe okay, Cherokee's a hairstylist. And, and um, you know, like, you set those boundaries in your life. Well, no, I don't cut hair outside of work hours because if I start doing that, what happens? Suddenly, I'm the church after hours hairstylist. <laughs> and everybody wants me to come to their house. They want me to drive my own car there. They want me to pay for my own gas. They want me to use my own tools and cut their hairs. And that, that's what happens. And you haven't set a boundary. So boundaries help you. Boundaries actually help you live life more to the fullness of who God created that's you to true. be. true. Mm-hmm. If you don't know who you are, everybody else will try and define you. This is what I need you to be to me right now. So I'm going to ask you to do this. This is what I want you to be to me today. So I'm going to ask you to do this today. No, this is who I am. These are my boundaries. Listen, we have boundaries all through the world. If you look at a farmer, what does a farmer have? A boundary. He's got a fence that keeps his animals in and it keeps other animals out because those are his and he has to have that in there. He's got to have a fence to say, this is my land. No trespassing. Stay off my land. Boundaries are there so you know what is yours, who you are, and how to live life. So you have to come along and say, this is my boundary. No, no, I will not come and cut your hair, Chad. Quit asking me. I know you want me to cut your hair. I know my hair is awesome and you want to look like me, but I just can't do it. That's not not what I'm going to do. We have to set these... (laughs) Because I've... Your lawn? No. No, I got other things to do. See, that's a boundary I just set in my life. I got other things in my life. I have to mow my own lawn, but I got to worry about church stuff. I got to think about church stuff. I got to think about moving the church forward. And here's what happens. There are things that God has called each and every one of us to do in our life. And if you don't don't say, this is where I'm going with my life, Mm -hmm. then everybody else is going to direct your life. I need you to come over here. I need you to come do this. I need you to go over there and take care of that for me. For a long time, I used to work with my parents. And, and you know how it goes working with your parents. I don't know. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. Has anybody here worked with your parents before? It's just wonderful, isn't it? <laughs> just the best thing in the world. The some days there's some really great days. And some days there's some really, what am I doing here days? And for a long time, uh, I would find that my mom would call and want me to do all kinds of things for her that she could quite easily do herself. And it, was, it, it wasn't like... Um, she couldn't do it. She could do it. She just realized that, oh, well, you, you work with me. You kind of work for me, so I want you to do this for me. Well, it's 9 o'clock at night, or, well, it's the weekend. I'm doing this with my family. And there came a point where I had to say, listen, I love you. I respect you. think you're a great mom, but I can't do that, and here's why. I had to set those boundaries in my life so that I could fully live the life that I needed to live and that I felt like God was telling me to live. And here's the thing. When you set those boundaries... Don't feel bad for having boundaries in your life. Mm-hmm. We don't set boundaries. We don't close the gate on our fence because a lot of times we feel so bad. We feel so guilty. Can you please help me do this? Oh, 
In your heart, you're saying, no, I really can't. No, I really don't have the time. I don't have the energy. I just don't want to. That doesn't sound exciting to me. But on the outside, you say, oh, okay, I'll do it. And we usually say yes because we want people to like us. And we don't want to look like a jerk. But in reality, sometimes it's just okay to say no. So set those boundaries. A boundary is a line that you won't go across and you won't go over and you won't go past and you predefine it. And don't go past that boundary. Can I just say, if you're taking notes, um, here's a thought. That godly boundaries will help you retain the capacity to do the things that God's calling you to do. If you're taking notes. That's what I meant to say. That's what I meant to say. I I would write that down. I just heard the Lord say it to me as Jake was talking. Godly boundaries will help you retain the capacity to do the things that he's called you to do. That's really good. And ungodly boundaries will just rob you of all of that and diminish your capacity. That's exactly what happens. Spend your time on the wrong things. Okay, next question. Uh, You talked about tithing. Last week we talked about tithing. What do I do if I don't feel like I have enough money to tithe? Right. Which is a fair question. I get to answer this one, don't I? You do. Can't afford not to tithe. I just said that out loud. (laughs) It is true. I'm going to say it louder. We cannot afford not to tithe. Our daughter, Sydney, has recently picked up this tithing revelation on her own, and I looked at her just as I was writing cards last night, and I said, I said, so how's that, and I said it like, I said, so how's that tithing thing working out for you? Sydney, how's that tithing thing working out for you? Pretty fantastic, and she could just share with you over and over of the favor and the goodness of God that happened when she grabbed hold of that revelation. She grabbed hold of it herself. It wasn't because we were telling her anymore, but she was, she had purposed to see if this tithing thing worked, and Malachi says, uh, Malachi 3.8 says, I'm learning to see with these glasses. Six, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from the statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you. Um, and then they said, how shall we return? And, and here it says, will a man rob God, yet you are robbing me? But you say, how have we robbed you in your tithes and contributions? You are cursed with the curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithes old times into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby I love this put me to the test so we did that with Sydney says the Lord of hosts if I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing for you that there's no more uh, room for it and then God says I will rebuke the devourer did the devourer okay so the enemy um, so that it, he will not destroy the fruits of your soil and the vine of your field um, will not cease to bear um, and all the nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight. And I can remember when I was Sydney's age, I grabbed a hold of the same revelation of tithing, and, and I only had enough money for my car payment, and I had enough money for my insurance, and that was it. And when I began to tithe, I began to re- win all kinds of rewards. I just started winning stuff. It was pretty wild, and it was really cool because God just took me on this journey of showing me at a young age that he was my Lord, he was my Father, and I could trust him. But I put him to the test, and he showed me at a young age that he was my Lord. So I surrendered to what, I just believed it, childlike. Okay, God, you said this. I'm going to believe it. I'm, I'm not going to begrudge this. I'm not going to say I don't have enough money, but I'm going to, your word says it's true, so it must be true. Okay. And you know what? It's true. It's true. 
He's not a man that he could lie. And you know what? I heard someone say this week, I've never heard someone who tithes say that they didn't have enough money. But I've heard someone who, who said they didn't have enough money say, I can't afford to tithe. True, hey? And there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, this is a revelation that we each have to catch on our own. Am I even answering the question? Right. I did answer the question. Um, but I'm, we are believing that we grab hold of the revelations and the truth of all the word of God because God wants to bring us in a place of alignment with him so that he can fully move in our lives and through our families in the way that he intended. And he does not want lack. God is not a God of lack. Psalm 37, 25 says, I, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread. And we have never, I've never seen my mother and father forsaken in their business. I've never seen us forsaken. I've never seen um, you forsaken as we purpose to do what God says to do. And, you know, we, I've heard people say, well, you know, that was in the Old Testament. Okay? Well, I will say to you that so were the Ten Commandments. We're in the Old Testament, but we don't <laughs> believe that we should pick up a gun and shoot somebody today. Right? So the same... That's under the Old Covenant. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying, and, and you know what it says here? For I, the Lord, do not change. He says that right in the beginning of that clause. And, and I think we leave that out when we even use this for an offering scripture. He's saying he doesn't change. Yeah. So I'm reading that to believe that he was the same yesterday. He's the same um, today and forever. Amen. That's good. Yeah. So be it. That's good, babe. That's it. All right. Uh, next question. Mm, this is a good question. How do you navigate a close relative that is dealing with coming out as gay, and what will that look like dealing with the possible new relationships that we don't agree with? Great question. Mm -hmm. Things just got really real, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> really real. Blake's looking at you. <laughs> Answer that faster, Jake. <laughs> uh, here's what I like. Here's the first thing I always try and ask myself in any yeah. given situation or scenario. Really, and I don't have a bracelet to back this up, but I do ask myself, what would Jesus do? Totally. Mm -hmm. What would Jesus do? Mm -hmm. And here's the next thought I always have. Why do Christians pick some things, some sins that are so much more worse than other sins? Mm -hmm. Why don't we have questions like, I have a kid that won't quit lying. What do I do? Or... I can't stop swearing. What do I do? Why is this the thing that we want to talk about? Why is this so much worse than any other sin in the Bible? Well, here's, here's the thing. To God, it's not. All sin is sin. All sin causes separation between us and him. So how do we deal with a close, close relative that's coming out as gay? Well, if you have a close relative, you probably love them, don't you? Totally. Because they're your close relative. Yeah. So they could, be a, like a, they could be a mother, a father, they could be a sister, a brother, they could be your kids, they could be a cousin, they could be somebody, but they're part of your family, which means you have loved this person. Right. So what would Jesus do in that scenario? How would Jesus respond to this? Well, here's what Jesus, I think, would do. First of all, I think the first thing he would do was continue to love that person. I don't think ostracizing them, casting them away, locking them up, borrowing them from family events saying you're not welcome here, I don't think that's what Jesus would do. 
I think Jesus would love them. The Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. Does that mean we accept the sin? No. Does that mean we accept homosexuality? No. Does that mean we accept liars? No. Does that mean we accept adulterers and fornicators? Do we accept those things? No. Because they're contrary to the word of God. But we love that person. Totally. Always. Always. And then there's got to be a lot of prayer. There's got to be a lot of prayer. And then in Ephesians 4, it talks about speaking the truth in love. We never compromise what we believe the Word of God is. Just because you love someone doesn't mean you compromise what this message is. So you have a lot of conversations, and you can be like, listen, I love you. I don't agree with what you're doing. I don't agree with this relationship. I don't think this is God's highest and best for you. But I will still love you, and I will still continue to pray and believe God for you, and I am still here if you need me. Mm-hmm. And then you get on your knees and you pray 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 just like you would until you see breakthrough in that area of your life like you would in any totally. other area of your Come life. Come on. There's no sin that's any greater than any other sin. It's all sin to Come God. On. It's all separation. He dislikes it all. Mm-hmm. He hates it all. It breaks his heart. Mm-hmm. So what do we do? We walk in love. And we pray for that person, and we speak the truth. Mm-hmm. This is what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says about healthy relationships. This is what God designed marriage to look like. This is what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You got any thoughts? Yeah, I was just thinking, too, about the quote from Billy Graham, uh, the late Reverend Graham. Uh, he said, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, God's job to, jo- or God's job to judge, and my job to love. Always love. Notice that's mean we don't speak truth. Well, of course we speak truth. But I would admonish you to, to, to speak truth when God tells you to speak the truth. But we always love. And, and I'm just thinking um, that story, for Peter denied Jesus three times. Jamie and I were just talking about this. And um, Jesus went up to Peter. And you had to have known he was going to deny him three times. I'm praying for you, Peter, Mm -hmm. that your faith would not fail. And then he was praying for him that he would have strength to turn away from his sin. And these are the right prayers to pray for people. Hey, you know, I'm praying for you that your that your faith wouldn't fail. You know, I'm and and even praying these in in our closets and in our homes for people. I'm praying for you that your faith wouldn't fail. We're not praying. Oh, I thank you, God, that just like that the light just or that the darkness comes out and the light sheds light on the darkness and people's sins are exposed. Well, if you're going to pray those prayers, then be prepared for your sins to be exposed in front of everybody. So be careful what to pray because it will, it will come back to you. But we, we pray prayers of God, would you strengthen them? God, would you encourage them? God, would you, would you, um, would you strengthen their faith? so that they would return to the truth that they want to know. And those, and those truths, those truths in their heart, those seeds, the Bible says that they, they never fall to the ground, mm-hmm. that they are in their heart forever. So we just, you know, it's, there's some days you get in your, in your home and in your secret place of prayer, and you just begin to declare the word of God over them. Yeah. And like it's true, because it is true. That's right. And we will see the glory of the king. Yeah. So that's how you deal with... That's what I think. That's how you deal with someone love, who's love, coming love, out. Love, love. Lots of love. So much. In every area. Yeah. So much. All right. Last question we have here. Uh, the Bible says to honor your parents, but how do I do that if I don't respect or trust them? 
I get to answer this question. <laughs> I can tell you, we have all been there. We have all been in a place where we did not trust or respect our parents. And you know what? Our parents haven't always liked us either. So <laughs> there we go. <laughs> there we go. We said it. But you know, I'm okay. Let's let's start with the word here. Uh, Ephesians 6, 1, for those of you who have never heard this scripture, I'm reading it out loud, write it down. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, yes. for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, and it says that it will go well with you, kids, and that you will live long on the earth or in the land. And you know what? Honor is what we do. See, o obedience is... Um, you, you, can, you can do in front of people, but honor is what we do when nobody's watching. Yeah. And that's when we know if we're truly honoring. I'll tell you something about honor too. Our honor for one another, my honor for my father is a reflection of the honor that I have for God. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's like a reality check some days. It's like when I see myself, if, I'm, if I've been dishonoring to my parents in any way and I'm like, ooh, I need to step up. God, I've just, you know, I'm, I'm being dishonoring to you. I need to get back into the word and a revelation of that. But I will say to you, and this is a hard pill, pill to swallow, there is never a reason not to honor your parents. That's right. There is never, there's never a reason. There's never a justification. Um, I was just even listening to a friend of mine speak at Wagner Hills a few weeks ago and he was talking about how his father was an alcoholic and would beat him and and heard him and even on his dad's deathbed things still weren't right between him yet I heard the tone of honor in my friend's voice to his father who had never been a good father you can look at King David and Saul Saul's hunting David down to yeah. kill him and David said I will not touch the Lord's anointed and our parents are like that they are they are, whether we believe it or not, whether we know it or not, they are anointed by God to be our parents. Whether they're walking in that doesn't matter. But that we will say, I will not touch that, and I will give them the honor and the respect that's due. And, you know, that doesn't change once we move out of the house, I don't believe. I didn't see that in here. No. Till the day that my father dies, until the, actually until the day that I leave this earth, if my dad's not on this earth, I need to speak well and honor my father right. and the bible says that it will go well with me and that i and my days will will be long on the earth so yeah we're all some of us are dealt a different hand of cards cam and i had that conversation i think last year and, and i just i remember sending him a text i said i know it's hard some of us are ha are not given the same hand of cards as other people i said but you are called to honor yeah and god will bless that and you know what and and if your parents have um, if you can't trust them or if you don't respect them and say you have a broken relationship, God, God will restore that either now or later or will continue to restore that. But he'll also bring other people too mm. into your life that can fill that void. No one was asking that, but I thought I'd say that. That's good. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Here. Just coming back to the, as you both shared so um, beautifully, it's, it's a heart issue. And there may be times that you still have to have boundaries yeah. with a parent who has been abusive right. or neglectful. Good. And you need to put a line up there. Yeah. But from the heart, you can respond to God. As, as you do it unto the Lord, That's right. that it's a hard attitude. I will honor my parents. I will honor them for the life they've given to me, that hard attitude. But you can still have strong boundaries and have those up for your own protection. Right. Um, for your life. Yeah, well said. Very good. Stand up with me here. 
Honor, honor is a choice. We choose to honor people. We choose to give them that honor. And, and uh, you know, you grow up and you move away from home. And you have to become your own person. But you still can honor your mom and dad. You still can honor your parents, wherever they're at, whatever they're doing. You don't have to always do what they say, but you do need to honor them. And, and that first of the Ten Commandments is honor your father and mother. And it says it's the first commandment with the promise. It's not obey them, it's honor them. And honor them is a lifelong style, a choice, the way that you live your life. I choose to honor people. I choose to honor my mom and dad. Just like I try and teach my kids to honor me. Obedience is right in front of me when I'm watching them. That's obedience. But I want them to do what I've asked or what I believe is right when I'm not around. When they can do whatever they want because nobody's there to make them stop it. That's honor. Can you what? Absolutely. Yeah. Just on this topic of honor, and that really went somewhere very deep and special. Can you come up with the team? And can we sing 10,000 Reasons before we go? And there's just something in this area of just honoring our Father and even in all, in all of these questions. And it just, I, I love songs like 10,000 Reasons because it's just, it's such a song of, of divine order of bless the Lord, oh my soul. As we, as we bless God, we come into alignment with God and, and all that he has comes into alignment with us. So God, we thank you that these are days of honor. These are days of revelation of honor. These are even days of restoration, God. Thank you so much for joining us today. We want to encourage you to take what you just heard and let it go deeply in your heart to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. We also want to encourage you to be a part of what's going on here at Connect. Head over to connectchurch.ca to find out how.